Welcome back to Holistic Finance. I am your host, Ryan Burklow. With me, as always, is Alexander Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to be going over step seven and step eight of our 10-step process to creating your own financial personal personal financial plan, which I add that in because I think too many people think these, these financial plans are all the same, and it's not. Everyone has their own plan for themselves because... I don't know. We all have different goals. We all have different numbers. We all have different lifestyles. So it's got to be personal to you. And this is a way that we've created for you to build your own plan for yourself. Yeah. This is a great first step where you're, you're taking a template and like plugging in your own information on it to personalize it. I, for most folks, we would recommend taking the additional step of finding a financial professional and tailoring it to your specific situation beyond just a blank template. Now, again, this is step seven and step eight, which means we started back at step one, right? So make sure if you're listening, if this is the first episode, go back, check out step one and begin there. Make sure you go to our, our site and download the PDF that is going along with the, the episodes. The whole reason we're recording these episodes with that PDF is to give you the background and context of what each one of those steps and pages are to help you build your own personal plan. So let's get into step seven and eight. Just a real quick review our last episode, right? Our last episode, we we're talking about having an emergency fund in place and making sure we're taking care of the high interest rate debts, right? Yep. Those are the steps five and six. Step seven is making sure that if your employer offers a match to the retirement plan that you are getting the match. Yeah, so this is where we start getting into the medium-term and long-term planning. And the reason why the employer match is seven and the investment account is eight is because there's free money involved. Anytime you can get free money, that that's generally a good thing. This is something where the employer is incentivizing you to save for retirement. It is an extra benefit that you receive. Now, you may, depending upon your plan, you may or may not have an employer match. You may or may not be 100% vested in it right away. What a vesting schedule means is that the employer wants you to be with the company for a certain number of years before you can walk away with the employer funds. Your funds are always going to be 100% vested. When we talk about retirement plans, there's really kind of two different main types of structures. We've got traditional and we've got Roth. And really the difference between traditional and Roth is when the money is taxed. It's going to be taxed in both methods, but with the traditional, you get a tax deduction for the dollars that are going in. It grows tax deferred while it's in there. But when you take it out in retirement, it's all going to be taxable. Roth, we've paid the taxes already, grows tax deferred, but when we pull it out in retirement, it come comes out income tax free. Again, provided that we're pulling it out in like these are all like assuming that we're waiting until age 59 and a half or using some sort of one of the exemptions for when we can pull money out other than age 59 and a half. So you got to be careful with what you're doing. And so many people like wind up falling into the, oh, well, I want to, you know, take the deduction now, or I want to put everything into Roth. And 
like we would suggest to you that the balance is typically the the right approach. Yeah, the best way to explain that one is how can we predict what taxes are going to be 20 or 30 years from now, right? Because that's what these retirement accounts are for, or when you have retired and you're pulling money out to live on. How are you going to know what tax package you're going to be at? Right? And and I think there's there's uh, some people say, well, you should put more money into Roth earlier in your career because you'll be making less income, right? And then when you retire, typically you'll need more income in retirement than than you are making in the first you know five years of of your working years. That's probably an accurate statement. And yeah. something to consider is we don't know what tax brackets are going to look like. There's so many variables in there. So when Alex says balance, it's making sure we have money in different buckets that are taxed differently. Absolutely. We, we want to have almost like three different types of buckets. And then inside of those, we may want some different types as well. We're going to want some, some dollars in savings. We're going to want some dollars in investments that are outside of retirement savings. And then we're going to want money that's inside of retirement savings and money inside of retirement savings. We want to have that roughly balanced equally between Roth and traditional. This allows for the most amount of flexibility. Now, reality is, is that most of us are going to wind up getting to retirement unbalanced with suboptimal mixes of assets. That That's, that's okay. I'd way rather that we get to retirement with more assets, but at the same time, like you, you should spend some amount of time looking at what we want to the future to look like so we can figure out what makes sense. Most folks, their retirement income, their taxable retirement income, they don't surpass that until sometime in their early to mid 50s. And the, the numbers that we've seen are somewhere between 50 and 55. I mean, it depends so much on the individual and like what career path they are on and when they're planning on retiring and a bunch of other factors. But most of the time your income level in retirement is you don't exceed that income level until you're in your mid fifties. And what's, what's really, I, I can't tell you how many times I've asked one of our clients the question of, Hey, do you have a option to contribute to the Roth 401k, the Roth side of your enti- your retirement plan? And we literally get the, oh, I didn't think that was even an option, right? Because mo- a lot of retirement plans nowadays, they default you into the traditional retirement plan. And so that's a huge question to ask. And by the way, you don't lose, a, a common myth out there is you'll lose the match if you contribute to the Roth and that is incorrect. I've heard that a couple of times recently and that, that like, the contribution to the Roth or to, to a Roth, you'll wind up with more often than not, although the secure act 2.0 that was just passed this last December gives you the option to have your match put into Roth. You've got to pay the taxes on that amount. Like that's a discussion for a different day and more advanced planning. However, prior to that, which like that component hasn't gone into effect yet, 100% of employer matches are going to wind up in the traditional side. So in the past, if you had a match and you contributed to Roth, you'd wind up with two different distinct accounts inside of the same 401k. 
one that was labeled as Roth and one that was labeled as traditional, and that was the employer component. And one other aspect to consider is oftentimes by the time we're, speed, we're sitting down with someone, they've already been contributing to a retirement plan. And so they ask us the question of, okay, so should I, now that I've sat down with you, Ryan or Alex, maybe I should do 50% of my contributions to Roth now and 50% over to my, the traditional, what, which I have been doing. Food for thought. If you already had, for instance, $500,000 in a 401k, if you didn't contribute another dollar to that retirement plan, and let's just say it grew at like a 6% average rate of return. In 20 years, you'd have $1.6 million. So it's $1.6 million in the traditional side of the 401k. And let's just say you were contributing $20,000. If you took the full 20 and started contributing it all to Roth, and you got that same 6% return, uh, what we would be looking at here is, and if I should have planned accordingly here, <laughs> I use the wrong calculator. So $20,000. At a 6% return and 20 years from now, Alex, we are looking at a total of $779,000. What, and that's without adding any employer funds to the, to the uh, traditional side. It's assuming a completely unbalanced approach of everything going into Roth. What that says is that you're not going to catch up. You're, you're never going to be balanced. Right. And so then we have the discussion around like, okay, like once we hit our income exceeding what we're expecting to have our, our income and in retirement be in our mid to late, mid to late fifties, that's when we typically want the dollars to go into the traditional side. And now we're still trying to play catch up on the Roth side. So there's some advanced planning techniques that we can use to try and help balance some of this stuff out. But at the same time, the reason why we want balance is so that we can create, we have more choice. We have more flexibility. We are less likely to have been completely wrong on whether taxes are going to go up or go down. Like the, the true answer is we don't have a crystal ball and we don't know. Like looking at, at debt and government and things of that nature, most of the professionals that I've talked to, whether they're in the government sector as like public servants, we discuss that for a different day, whether they're attorneys, whether they're accountants, whether they're financial professionals, most people tend to think that income taxes are gonna go up or stay level. And the truth is we don't know. But even without that, we would rather have Roth earlier traditional later. And at the same time, we're oftentimes forced to try and play this catch up game because people by default were in the traditional sense and structure. And so it's, it's very hard to overcome that initial inertia. So that was a long winded step number seven. I think we went into the weeds there a little bit. The point of step seven though, is at least making sure you're getting the employer match. Meaning if your employer matches 4% of every dollar you put in, then you should be putting in 4% so you can capture that free money. And Let's again, one of the things, like before we leave this, Ryan, make sure that we're protecting our income, building our reserve, paying yes. off our high interest rate before we tackle this. Again, the steps are in order on reason for for a reason, I got to learn some better English here.
Step number eight, start an investment account. And what's amazing to me is how many times we have a conversation with clients about an investment account and they kind of look at us like, what's that? Yeah. Because somehow we've been reprogrammed in society where the only investment account we know of, we know it as 401k or IRA or retirement plan. Or it's talked down about like, why would you ever invest in the stock market outside of those structures? Right. And so what an investment account is, just so we're being perfectly clear here is it's just like investing, like you are in your 401k in stocks and bonds, just like how you're doing there, mutual funds, ETFs, except it's not labeled and not inside of a retirement account. And what the this reason means- you have this is this is money that is accessible to you. This is money that is also has some tax efficiencies in it because if you keep it long-term, you get long-term capital gains tax rather than ordinary income tax rates, right? And so now you've got this bucket of money that you have access to, to leverage when you want to leverage it, or, you know, this, we've talked about long-term and midterm buckets before, right? This is that bucket that you have access to because if, you know, if you've got 20 years of work right now and you're putting most of your money in a retirement plan, what could happen that you might want extra money in a 20 year time horizon, right? And purchasing other assets, who knows? Your kids may go to, may, may go to college. You may wind up wanting to buy a second home, a vacation home. You may have an opportunity to invest in your company through work. Your friend may wind up starting a company. Like That's just five examples right off the top of our head. But the, the thing is, is that Americans have gotten the idea of needing to have an emergency reserve. Like we're still working on how well we're implementing it, but like we, we know that we need a reserve. We've also at this point understood that we need to save for retirement. And this is our short term and our long term. And what we're missing is that donut in the middle. But there's a big hole of like what happens for getting access to money in that medium term where we want a better rate of return than what the bank is offering us. But at the same time, we want to have accessibility that a 401k doesn't necessarily offer us. We have limitations, fees, penalties, have to require to take a loan or something of that nature, a bunch of hoops that we have to jump through to get access to our retirement plan assets before age 59 and a half. And so what we're talking about is that donut hole in the middle which is like what we call the midterm bucket. And, and one other aspect that I think people just forget about, and frankly, maybe you and I do too, there's no limitation as to how much money you can put in this style of an account. Correct. Right? People are used to, okay, how much money can I put in my Roth 401k or Roth IRA? Like they know that there's limits. In an investment account, there is no limit. That's pretty big, right? So you need to take into consideration, and we spoke about this in the last episode, balance, right? How much money is in what type of an account and how is it taxed, right? As I mentioned, there's some tax efficiencies in this in this account, in this investment account, as long as you uh, attack it appropriately. Now, there's other stipulations or other things to consider, like you know how much risk do you want to take in this account, just like any other investment 
that you do. You need to have some sort of risk tolerance or, you know, risk conversation of how you, how aggressive you want to be in that account. Yeah. I mean, and like this donut that we're talking about is huge, right? It goes everywhere from like, well, we, we talked about having three months worth of reserves. So everything outside of three months on up to whenever retirement is like, that is a huge range. And as a result, not all of the money that goes into this midterm bucket should be managed the same way. So we need to think about it from a, a lens of like, okay, what's our time horizon? When might we need this money? How long are we going to need this money for? What's the purpose behind it? Like, what risks are we looking to, are we willing to accept? What returns are we trying to, to gain? How much liquidity do we need? And like, what are we looking at from a taxation standpoint? This type of account is one of the most underutilized accounts out there, period. Like, it's amazing to me how many people we sit down with that don't have this. Heck, that don't even know that it exists. Right. When they say, well, when you literally said you have an investment account outside of a retirement account and they look at you like deer in headlights, like, what do you mean? Right. right. And that's not to put them down. That's not demeaning them. That's just everything we read is put money in a retirement plan. When's the last time you, you saw an article out there saying, hey, put money in your brokerage account? Which, by the way, brokerage account, same investment account, it's the same titling thing. of it. It just doesn't happen. So again, step seven is make sure we're getting an employer match. Step eight is creating your own investment account. And the reason you'd want to do that is flexibility, which takes us to the question of the day, Alex. The question today is how much flexibility do you want in your financial plan? This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax legal or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201. Phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives at the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, Air Insurance License Number 1531942, CA Insurance License Number 0K24924, Alexander Collins, Air Insurance License Number 7264699. CA insurance license number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2023 152198. 
Expiration March 2025.